Hey guys, this is Field of Vapor. Hey folks, this is Pete Bissardo. guys, this is Ruby Roo, and you're listening to Smoke Free Radio. Hello, my fellow vapors. Welcome to another edition of Smoke Free Radio. Thank you, Russ. It's been a while, I know. Traveling is not as glamorous as you might think it might be. However, when duty calls, you know I have to respond. But I'm back. Telephone lines are open, 347-308-8329. If you have any questions or comments during tonight's broadcast, we would be more than happy for you to join us. Uh, programming note, I will be back next week. I am planning an episode with Phil Bussardo and Mike Morgan. We're going to talk a little bit about the state of vaping, where we were a couple of years ago, where we are today, and where we predict that it's heading. A uh, very interesting episode I'm trying to line up. Obviously, uh, a lot of the stuff that is coming out of China lately has been bugging me a lot, as you've noticed on my Facebook rants. So I think it's a good opportunity to bring a couple of folks on and discuss that next week. The following week, I will be traveling to Birmingham, England, to attend the vaporsexpo.co.uk. If you're in the area, if you're listening, please stop by and have an enjoyable vape with me and my BFF, Phil Bussardo. This Sunday, I will be traveling to Boston, Massachusetts. Uh, vendors getting uh, organized there, trying to create a smoke-free association. I have volunteered my time to fly up there on a one-day trip to meet with the New England um Vendors uh, that are planning to start an association there, we're trying to get some groundwork laid down. Virginia, happy to announce they're getting to re- ready to launch their own Virginia Smoke Free Association. Seeing what's going on uh, with the states and all the bad bills that are trying to be passed. Kansas, obviously. Um, <clears throat> New Orleans. There's still states that have legislative sessions that are going on. There's states that have legislative uh, sessions that go on all summer. So we're not out of the clear yet. 
It is vital that you get organized on a state-by-state basis because if you don't, the FDA will have it pretty much easy because there will be no industry left for them to regulate. Um, I had a rant for tonight, and I will keep it towards the end, but I have some bad news. Let me go ahead and bring in my co-host first, and then we'll get on that that train there. Really, really bad news today. I just got this news in from, from Dr. F on a new study. What's up, Meg? Hi, how are you? Good. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I've missed you. I've missed you, too. How have you been the past few weeks? Oh, God. Just getting ready to come home. Um, I know you're planning to be here in a couple months, coming back to, to the States. How um, how has that uh, process been for you? I know it's been pretty frustrating. <sighs> it, it had, yeah, it has been frustrating because um, I'm on limited income as it is. So it was trying to get the flights situated and making sure that I can get what stuff I do have with me sent back to the States in time. And so far right now, it's it's been... It's quiet. Everything's settled, and the flights are booked, and I'm ready to go. All you need is your vape stuff and your microphone. That's it. Yes. <laughs> forget, forget, about the, forget about the rest. You don't need anything else. That's all you really need. I, I get really stressed when I travel on my vape stuff. Like, I yeah. literally spend 30 seconds to pack my clothes and three hours on what exactly devices, juices, backups. Char- I've got to make sure I got my chargers. I forgot my wall charger when I went to Chicago last week, and I panicked. So I took my... My battery pack, which is a 10,000 mile battery pack, and I plugged it into my computer because I only had one USB on my little laptop. Yeah. And then I used the out of my 10,000 mile battery pack to charge my devices. It was frustrating. <laughs> but uh, we, had, we had some fun in Chicago. Chicago was a, was a B2B only event last week. And, uh, and um, it, was, it was slower than last year as far as vendors that were there. And also slower by attendance as well, which I was a little bit surprised because this is a very professionally run trade show Mm -hmm. and uh it just goes to show you that there's just now a plethora of expos and meets going on every week and it's impossible to to attend them all and i don't think that we've grown i mean i know the industry has grown but i don't think it's grown to the level where we have to have an expo uh every week at this i mean it's just getting out of control yeah yeah even over here we had the one in london last month now this month coming up we've got the one in birmingham and then in August, we've got Vape Fest. I mean, that's three of them in a three-month tam- right. uh, three time span. Right. It's, it's actually quite busy over here for us. Right. And, 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 and uh, it, it, it was just juices. That's all it really was. I mean, I, <laughs> I, I went to – there were a few Chinese manufacturers there. Um, uh, but as far as, like, devices, like something innovative, something unique, um, nothing. I went to Tesla. They said we have an 80-watt temperature control mod. Big deal. You know, I mean, it's like they were telling us the the whole new thing. I picked that up. I also got – what else did I pick up? Uh, I picked up the new Kangaroo sub box, the pink one and the purple one. Those are kind of cute. I mean, I guess if you're you're into those. (laughs) You can send me the purple one. I love purple. (laughs) Depends. I'll see. I'll see. It depends how you behave. (laughs) Um, but I mean, hardware-wise, there really wasn't nothing there. It's it's just the same juice, the same juice. Uh, you know, ten new juice companies, ten new guys with the same flavors. It's just it's becoming just too much now. And I can understand how frustrated the stores get as well too, trying to stock product for their store. It's impossible. Mm-hmm. It, it really is impossible to to be able to 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 pick and choose. 
I mean, the competition is good, but at this point, it's just repetition. It's not really competition. It's all the same shit. It is. It's the same, yeah. same stuff over and over again. Oh, we got a custard line, we got a cereal line, and, you know, we got a yogurt line. There we go. <laughs> that pretty much <laughs> defines the hype of, of 2015. Um, the, the cereal vape is pretty interesting to me. Uh, I mean, I thought it was going to be a fad. I don't know. Have, have you seen it kind of slowing down now with the yogurt craze going on? I actually saw a company that. The name of the company is Cereal Vapes. That's all they do is Cereal Vapes. I can't see how that can have longevity in the, in, no. the, in, in the industry, you know? I don't see that happening either. We haven't really had very many yogurt vapes over here. A lot of custards. And the cereal thing is just kicking off here. Um, I've got a couple people that are, like, totally into O-Rangs from 12 Monkeys. Mm-hmm. And that one's pretty good. But other than that, no yogurt vapes over here that I'm aware of. Well, the yogurt is the new black, right? It's the new mm-hmm. custard. So to me, you know, the, the way that I see it is, I mean, it, it's basically a custard. <laughs> I mean, yogurt flavoring is creamy, and it's you know, and 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 not to mention that everything that's on the market right now is diacetyl packed. Packed. Yeah. There has not been a diacetyl AP free flavoring yogurt released yet. So mm-hmm. keep that in mind. But uh, we did try, you know, at work to to we went through the whole R and D development for for a, a client to develop a yogurt line for them. And uh, we reached out to Flavor West. They, they assured us that the product was clean. We have the emails that the product was clean. Uh, so we, we, can't, we always third-party test no matter what. We'll send the flavoring out to test it ourselves. But that takes a couple of weeks. So we started the whole R&D process with a client. He was in town for a couple of days. And we developed the flavors. And guess what? We get back the results, and it's full. Yeah. And I was I so that. pissed. I was so pissed not only that it was full, that they lied. I mean, they flat-out lied. So it goes to show you as a juice maker, if you're going to put a product out there and you do care about it, uh, because there's obviously some people that don't care about it, and I will touch on the diacetyl and AP uh, uh, issue here in a little bit. But if you do care about it, you need to third-party test your flavors. None of these companies are, are is honest. None of them. No. We've, we've seen that with, with Capella. We've seen it with, with, uh, with uh, uh, TPA. We've seen it with a lot of companies out there that say, oh, yeah, this is completely clean, and then we send it out, and, and it comes back. Um, that that and it's it's not it's not finished yet, uh, yeah. and I did see a notice a note about flavor art. Yes, I do know that they're developing um, a yogurt. I said there's nothing on the market right now that's clean. I think I clarified that. All right. Anyway, so we got some bad news today, and I hate to start off with a rant, <laughs> but I will. Um, let me cut down a little bit my microphone here because it's clipping a little bit. All right. So there's a new study coming out. M. And, yeah. and obviously, I sent you the information uh, on this right before we started the show. The name of this study is Direct Dripping, a high-temperature, high-formaldehyde-emission electronic cigarette use method. That is the title of the study. <laughs> Let me repeat that one more time because I screwed it up. Direct Dripping, a high-temperature, high-formaldehyde-emission electronic cigarette use method. So they've already determined that whoever direct drips has high formaldehyde uh, emissions from that method of use. It's, a, it's predetermined. Yep. <laughs> Whoever reads this, this the, you, know, you know how a lot of people, they're not going to read the entire study. No. Um, they're automatically going to assume, you know, dripping, it's bad. It, it, emit, it emits, uh, emits uh, high, uh, high formaldehyde levels. Uh, this was uh, spearheaded by Soha Tali, a PhD, uh, Balhas Salman Karogian, Shihadid at the aerosol the Research Laboratory, uh, Department of Mechanical Engineering, American University of Beirut, and Beirut, Lebanon. I probably screwed up all those names, but you have to know them because <laughs> we need to call them out, and we need to call these bastards out because what they've done is absolutely horrendous. 
Yeah. Um, before I start about the study, let me tell you who funded it, because I think it's <laughs> extremely, I think it's extremely, I think it's extremely important to know who funded this study. Um, this work was supported by the National Institute on Drug Abuse of the National Institutes of Health, with a grant, and the Center for Tobacco Products of the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. So the CTP of the FDA, through the pathway study that they're doing now, through the FDA on electronic cigarettes, are the ones that funded this study on direct dripping. Uh, if this is the way that the FDA is doing the current pathway study, we're fucked. <laughs> Let's go ahead and just get yeah. it out of the way now and tell you that we're screwed. We're all done, right? This study is extremely, extremely flawed. Um, let me get to the introduction of the study and exactly what, what, they, what, they, um, what they did. All right, so a custom-designed digital puff production machine at the American University of Beirut was used to generate e-cig aerosol from one type of direct dripping uh, atomizer. They used an inhaler 510 atomizer at 2.5 ohms. An inhaler 510 yeah. atomizer at 2.5 uh, ohms. It was powered by an Ego T battery, 3.4 volt by Joytech, using a common PG-based e-liquid from Liquid Express called Watermelon Chill, both at 0 and 18 milligrams of nicotine concentration. Okay? Yep. Let me just start off by saying that who the hell uses a, a 2.5 ohm 510 atomizer from inhaler anymore? Seriously. Who a uses this product? The last time I used one of them, was, I kid you not, was in 2012. <laughs> I, I swear, the last time I used it, probably when I got my first Proveri. Yeah, and I, mean, oh, I don't know if you noticed, but the picture that they actually used, that's a 306 atomizer that they, exactly. they used. I think what they meant to say is a 510 threaded 306 atomizer, which is even worse, and I'm going to explain why, why, why while I'm explaining the, the methodology used here. So the puff duration of every pool was set at 8 seconds with a puff velocity of 191 mils and an inter interpuff interval at 10 seconds. These conditions, according to the authors, correspond to the extreme experienced ESIG user profile previously reported based on their observations. All right? So they determined that the extreme experienced ESIG user uses a 510-306 2.5 ohm atomizer by inhaler. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it gets better. It gets better. I'm so, sorry, I don't mean to laugh. No, no, funny. no. Uh, so what he was doing is he was putting two drops of e-liquid into the atomizer and then was taking two drags of eight second each, three drags of eight second each, and four drags of eight second each. So four pools at the duration of eight seconds on a 306 atomizer on an Ego battery with two drops of e-liquid. And if you ever used a 306 in the past, a lot of you are new that listen to the show, but some of us guys that have been around in a while, you know the most leaky atomizer in the world is the, is 306? the 306. That's why the drip shield was invented by Empire Mods back in the day to yep. hold the e-liquid inside and it doesn't drip out of the side of the atomizer, out of the holes, because it doesn't hold a lot of e-liquid. It wasn't designed to be used that way. It was designed to be used with a little sponge on top. We are the ones that kind of developed into a dripping atomizer where we remove the bridge and so forth and so forth. Okay. Yep. All right. So the two, three, or four puffs of eight seconds executed for every two drops of e-liquid. 
for every two drops of e-liquid. The puff duration was set at eight seconds with a puff velocity of 19.1 meals per second. Also inside this document, it says that they were drawing a volume of 156 meals of vapor into the machine at every puff. I personally know through the studies that Dr. F has done, the maximum amount that you can put in your mouth is 115 meals per puff. Uh, that is volume of vapor into your mouth. <laughs> that sounded really dirty, didn't it? <laughs> Don't ask me how I know. But we have actually done this, this, this protocol for other studies, and we know there's absolutely no way that you can get 156 meals of uh, a, a volume of, of vapor inside your mouth. So right, right, just right off the bat, everything about this study is flawed. It's bad. These bastards need to be called out. These, these guys should not have a PhD. No. They should not have a PhD out of their, their, you know, they just have to remove it from their name. Let me get to the conclusion, all right? I don't have to go through all the details. You heard what they did for the methodology. Obviously, you know the details are going to be bad. So here's the conclusion. Depending on operating characteristics and use, the emissions from eSIG devices range from negligible amounts to levels similar to those present in tobacco cigarette smoke. Oh, shit. Where have you heard this before, Em? Uh, the formaldehyde study. The formaldehyde study. Absolutely right. Dripping, yeah. apart from its clear implications for drug abuse liability. This is actually yeah. in a published fucking study. Yeah, because we're all we're all going to go get some heroin and drip it onto our 306 atomizers from 2012 and get totally wrecked, it's, right? It clearly implies that you know that you're going to have a drug abuse liability if you use a 306 atomizer. There's no doubt about it. Uh, it, it continues to say it may also involve greater exposure to formaldehyde due to the potentially higher temperatures attained in the atomizer. Based on our results, direct dripping use may expose users to increased VA levels relative to conventional e-cigs and even relative to combustible cigarettes for a given nicotine yield. Fuck my life. I mean, seriously? Seriously? These guys claim that they went on YouTube and they studied videos of people using this atomizer in this particular fashion and also went to the ECF. It's, it's noted inside this paper went to the ECF and got information before they did this study. So now, this is my question to you guys. If if there is such a video on YouTube exists, please let me know. Because I want to go report it, first of all. I want to take it down. But second of all, I don't believe that there's anybody out there on YouTube right now that has taken an eight-second drag off a 306 atomizer with two drops of liquid. I can't even do it on a sub tank, and I cloud chase. I can't do eight seconds. There's just no way. Uh, I see that that Michael Morris says videos from 2012. No, I don't think that there is an eight second drag on a 306 atomizer with two drops of e liquid. Period. I don't know where they found it. So I, it, the study is completely flawed. But guess what? As soon as this study hits the airwaves, and you know it will soon, mm -hmm. as soon as it's published in this magazine. Guess what? This is going to be the flaming topic again for the news stories for the next week. People are using it as a click and bait. People are using it for people to get to the website and and draw people to the website. And it's pissing me off, Em. Yeah. It's pissing me off. I don't, you blame you. I, don't think, I don't think they understand, though, that when they when they do a study like this, there are people like you and me that are involved in advocacy and in the industry that we can look at this and we can tell that it's basically fucked up yeah and that we're gonna rip it to shreds anyways so why are they not 
developing very strict protocols and getting people involved that are actually experienced vapors instead of pulling shit off of freaking YouTube and ECF. Well, Dr. F is pissed. So he, 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 he messaged me immediately to contact the inhaler and get 15 of these atomizers, send them down so he can replicate it. He's responding to this paper in a very, very, um, you know, a, a very, very aggressive tone because, again, clearly what they're trying to do here is not only mislead the public, but keep funding coming from the FDA for these studies that are completely flawed. They have absolutely no business doing studies on a product that can potentially save billions of lives. This is fucked up. And guess what? We are paying for it. Mm-hmm. We are paying for it through the CTP and through the FDA. The government's paying money to have studies like this be published, deter people from trying electronic cigarettes, have government officials you know, come down on us hard, have regulatory officials come down on us hard, and basically eliminate this product from what? From this University of Beirut bullshit that is out there. It's pissing me off. It really is. <clears throat> Sorry. Yeah, it's... I'm... Even just looking at it now, I'm getting pretty pissed off with it because I'm looking through their references. And if they did, they say in the actual in the study itself that they watched the YouTube video because they didn't yes, put it in the yes. references. It does, it's in there. It's in there. It's, if, you, if, it? you, if you scroll down, it says uh, it says ECF and it says YouTube. It doesn't say what specific video it is, um, but there there is a, there is a, a, a there is a video. Oh, yep. Yeah, there's a link. Yeah, there's a, there's a video inside there. It doesn't say about which video it is. It just says YouTube. And then there's an ECF link, I think, to yeah. it. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> I love how uh, Darla posted my video. I do not take eight-second puffs on a 306 item. <laughs> Trust me. <laughs> I love my I love my, my throat. Uh, anyway, 347-308-8329. If you have any questions or comments, please chime in. Um, the next, the, obviously, the first temperature study that was released was the Formadahad study where Dr. F debunked the existing study that's out there. The okay. second study that's being, pu- it's actually been submitted for review now and to be published is called um, Temperature of Liquid Evaporation from Electronic Cigarettes, Effects of Power Levels, Puff Duration, and Puff Volume. That is the newest temperature study. There's, it's a five-part series. And now we're going to have to add this one on. We're going to have to replicate the same study with, with this 306 atomizer used under normal use conditions with vapors in the lab once again to go back and debunk this this stupid, irresponsible, unethical uh, study by by these these physicians, it's 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 mind blowing. This e liquid, I just saw that JB put in there. Who drips a PG only juice? I I've, I've never heard of the e liquid that they've used, and they said that it was a common one. I'm trying to find it here in the study now. I know it was watermelon flavored. It was but... watermelon by uh, by uh, Liquid Express. I have no idea who they are. I know I know who Liquid Express is, and I know they have both D Gang and they have they have uh, uh, American Made E Liquid as well too. But who drips eighteen milligram anyway? Who drips high PG? Because this, predom- this is a predominantly high PG, so I'm thinking this is the D Gang line that that they that they have. But I mean, eighteen milligram high PG E Liquid. Who drips that? That is not realistic conditions. Period. They need no. to stop this shit. Um, but again, this is what this is what this is what really bugs me. If this is what the FDA is paying to do to determine the regulations of electronic cigarettes, yeah, we're fucked. I mean, it's it's uh, it's there's just no doubt in my mind that that if if all the studies that are coming out from the stuff that they're paying, but anyway, all right, let's move on. Uh, we got a lot of stuff to talk about, and I and I want to be able to get to everything 
uh, here uh, quickly. All right. So first of all, uh, Em, I, ha- I do have a special guest here in the studio with me in the vape layer from the Tennessee Smoke Free Association, the vice president and the Eastern Tennessee executive director, Mr. Jonathan Beardsley. What's up, John? Not much. Thanks for having me. Welcome to the show. Before we get started on our trip to Washington, which is why I did not do a smoke-free radio episode two weeks ago, how did you get involved in the TSFA? Well, uh, I was kind of on the sidelines watching it kick off, and I wanted to be involved in it from the beginning. Um, Last August, Eric Peterson, the president asked me to uh, start volunteering, and my trek started there. Uh, I have to say that Jonathan, everybody in the TSFA has been tremendous help, but Jonathan has been just a, just a fantastic asset to have. Again, a volunteer, uh, passionate about e-cigs, and, and I think it's extremely important for people to understand your passion as well, too, Jonathan, because unfortunately in this community, we always have these people that always stand up and say, well, you know, what do you stand to gain out of it? What do you stand to gain out of it, John? What do you stand to gain out of it by volunteering your time to to promote tobacco harm reduction in the Tennessee Valley? To convince my friends that still smoke and uh, smokers that I meet from day to day to make the switch. That is extremely important, and uh, and we thank you for your service. So let's talk about uh, a little bit about our trip up to Washington. Uh, who facilitated this trip? How did it all come about to, to become a reality? Well, back in, uh, let's say, March, I think Svada invited us to come up and do a fly-in. Originally, it was going to be in May. Um, because of uh, federal legislation that was coming in, they wanted to uh, change the timing of it. And so we ended up with a date of June 10th. Uh, I do have to make a little side note here and, and uh, inform everybody that the Tennessee Smoke Free Association is a Svada member. We have joined as an association, correct, John? That's correct. And uh, uh, sometimes I hear some rumblings going on. Oh, you know, you don't want a SFADA chapter. You don't want. I think that SFADA plays a huge role, especially in the federal level uh, on the Hill, where we need a lot of help. uh, And that's why we are proud to be members of them as an association. Oh, absolutely. The group they're associated with that does their uh, lobbyist work uh, was very professional and they were obviously well connected. So we took a team of members here. Uh, How many people attended? There was a total of 14 of us, including me, where I don't represent a shop. So I guess we had 13 uh, representatives of stores here in Tennessee. And uh, and also we had, uh, I, I came as representing Mountain Oak Vapors. Uh, Eric Peterson, even though he is in the Tennessee Smoke Free Association, he works at a shop, so he represented a shop. So as far as the association, you were the, the, the spearheading, uh, representing all the stores here that are in Tennessee. That's correct. And I took a document of our vendors uh, showing the square footage of retail space that as a group we uh, consume and uh, also the employee count and uh, with 67 of the of the Tennessee stores out of an estimated 300 or so uh, we took up over a hundred thousand square foot of uh, retail space and uh, I think it was over 312 employees and and see this is really important if you're planning to start an association in your state this is probably the one point that we used with everyone that we met up on the hill that just made a huge impression with them. When you have an association, you can document how many stores are part of the association. We have started a, a spreadsheet where we collect how many employees are at each store, 
how many square feet that each store uh, has. And then we also uh, encourage our vendors to make their financials, uh, if they pay taxes, <laughs> uh, to make their, their financials available to the politicians as well, too, because the economic impact in the state is greatly underappreciated. Uh, and we'll talk a little bit about more detail on the knowledge of the staff and the people that we talk to in D.C. But just our association here in Tennessee represents over 300 employees, 300 jobs in the Tennessee Valley, over 100,000 square feet of retail space that would be empty, would be a vanilla box if these stores did not occupy it, which obviously translates into sales tax, um, federal tax for the employees, and of course the tax, the property tax that the that the business owners uh, that own these properties uh, pay as well. So we we went up there with 14 people. Uh, what did we do first? How did how did the the, the the before we get to the hill? We had like a little meeting, right? That's correct. We had a, a briefing in the conference room of the lobbyist organization, and they kind of prepped us with um, kind of some talking points, um, mentioned what to say, what not to say, what not to mention, that sort of thing. Yeah, and and and, and that, I think that's really important as well too because. Sometimes we go to these politicians and we miss the point of why we're there, right? We went there specifically for two reasons. We had a goal, HR 2058, and also, you know, the bills to support that's coming up to, to, to move the grandfather date and also to show the economic impact. Nobody wants to know about PG and what PG is, what VG is, uh, what's in your... Nobody cares when it comes to a political climate about that. What they're looking for is economic impact. So, you know, be very, very careful. Know your audience and what you're saying at every, uh, you know, exchange that you do and who, who you're talking to. It's extremely important, right? Yeah, and that was something that I learned there, and I think everybody in our group learned there. Um, as we started off talking to the reps, you know, we weren't as confident in what to say, what not to say. We weren't reading our audience as well. And uh, as the day progressed, that really improved, and we had some great conversations that day. Were you intimidated when we got there? Oh, absolutely. I think everybody was, including me. And I'm, I'm pretty good speaking in public. I think it was the first time that we kind of, you know, just walking into a historical place like that and, oh, and, yeah. and meeting with the politicians. It was it was a little bit overwhelming at first. That first meeting that we had uh, was kind of strange as well, too, because we had a big group. I know, I know 14 people doesn't sound like it's a big group. But I've heard in other uh, fly-ins that they've had with Svada, usually four or five people come in to represent. So having a, you know, a large group like that, there's, their offices were not big enough to accommodate us. So we literally had to have our meetings either in the lobby or in a, in a corner somewhere you know, around the elevator. And our first meeting actually happened right in front of four elevator doors. So it was a little bit uncomfortable for me. Well, you know, going up there, I was actually disappointed that we didn't have more of our vendors coming with us. Yeah. And uh, when we met in the briefing room and they're telling us about how they're, the rooms in these offices are so small, I'm thinking, what? You know, we're a big group. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And as, as the day progressed, I realized that I don't think we would have been any more effective with more uh, people going uh, unless we split up into two groups. And even then, you know, they were impressed at, at our group. Each office was. So our goal was to go there and target people in the different areas where the vendors have their shops. So based on, you know, uh, first of all, in a regional area, who your mm -hmm. representative is, and then leading up to our senators, which represent the entire state. And that's how the meetings were kind of set up, right? Yep. So talk to us about the experience. Let's talk about the meetings first. I know there's a lot of stuff that we can't talk about simply because, you know, it is some stuff that we, we want to keep 
private and we don't want to get all the information that's out there. So please understand that. But let's talk about the, the, the meetings themselves. The first meeting seemed to go pretty good. We had a really good reception. Yeah. Um, he had heard of our industry. Um, he hadn't heard really any details. He, like most people that aren't aware of the vaping industry, thought that it was a bunch of sigillites and uh, didn't really have an understanding of the devices and the tanks that we use. And so uh, we all showed him what we were using and that this is the norm for an a experienced vapor, someone who's been in it into the uh, vaping for a few months will normally switch to devices like these. We, we made it a specific point to all carry box mods, and we did that on purpose because we, we, we wanted to distance ourselves from the Sigalite category as much as possible. And we got mixed reactions. One thing was common <laughs> through, through all the staffers is, that, is their reaction when we pulled out our devices. You know, uh, most of them were intrigued. They wanted to know more. They wanted to know what they are. And, oh, I haven't seen something like that, which is a little bit scary that they don't know that this entire industry exists out there of people that do use these devices. Um, we had a couple that were really shocking surprises to me. I mean, it, it was it was really uncomfortable seeing one of the staffers literally jump back a little bit, you know, when, when we pulled out of our box mods, John. Yes, it was. Um, she was uh, almost frightened when we pulled out our devices. Yeah. She actually said, uh, what is that? That looks like something that you're going to get in an adult shop. I'm, yep. ass I'm assuming she meant a porn shop. Uh, but I don't know what porn shop she goes. I have never seen. And Meg, do you have a, a box dildo by, the, by any chance? <laughs> I'm just I'm just wondering. I think a few of us. No, that. I don't. Maybe I've missed that. <laughs> Maybe I haven't been around that long. <laughs> no. You know. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. Definitely not, not the box ones. I no. I. I don't think that a woman would find that quite pleasurable. That's what I thought. But there have been some tube mods that are quite reminiscent of some things. But none of us had tube mods. All of us had box mods, and I, and, and I had I had my top hat with me, which is a really nice, you know, big device. Uh, some people had IPVs. Uh, uh, this other guy had a dual 26650 with him. I mean, they weren't like... You know, small box mods. There were some of them were she monsters. Might, she might have had. She might have had a dildo that had, like, uh, actually had a box shaped controller at the end of it <laughs> that has buttons. How would you know that, Meg? I don't... Because I'm a woman. I'm supposed to I'm know these kidding. things. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But you know, it, it was. I was really shocked to see her. I mean, she literally jumped back a couple of steps, like like we pulled out guns. You know, it was. It was. Uh, it was disturbing, and also it made me feel like, you know, this. You know what they're trying to do, Meg? Is this is what I felt? They're trying to put us in the same category as combustible tobacco. Yeah. Well, these guys are are addicts. These guys are junkies. These guys are whatever they are. They're trying to do the same thing. She mentioned smoking and like, oh, you know, I have some kind of an allergy. I think she said, John, I can't have one cigarette. I'm going to die or something like that. But you could tell that she was uncomfortable with the devices. But the good thing about Having meetings like that, John, is that we can see where we really need to focus on trying to educating more our elected officials. Oh, absolutely. I think everybody there was kind of shocked at, that these uh, staffers actually said that they were familiar with the industry and that they didn't know anything about it. Right. Uh, it, it, the, the, from the sm from the smaller Congress people that that we met, I'm smaller in, in the scale of I guess in the hierarchy of of, of politicians, 
the the staffers, the younger staffers, there were some that, that seemed to be more in tune with what's going on. They understand it. Obviously, the younger staffers are the ones that you want to talk to because you don't have that generation gap of politicians that are 60, 70-year-old trying to make law on a product that they don't know, right? That's right. So as we, as we went to, to through these meetings, give me a little bit of your, your, your thoughts, your feedback. Well, what, what are some of the things that stood out to you? Well, <clears throat> mainly what stood out to me is, like I said, they would claim to know something about the industry or have done some research, um, and then they would come out and not even understand what these devices are that we're using because they don't look like cigarettes. Um, the other things is that some of them had no idea that we were under attack by um, Big Tobacco, FDA. Um, they hadn't even read the uh, FDA deeming regs that were put out last year. And um, there was one in particular who was in the medical field uh, mm -hmm. before she became a staffer. Mm -hmm. And she actually knew a little bit about more about the legislation yep. and the FDA. And that was a really awesome conversation. It was, it was great to see that kind of reaction. She was probably my favorite from the whole bunch. <laughs> and I don't say that very often about politicians. Uh, she's on a health committee. Uh, as well. So her being a doctor and being a politician and being involved in this office and sitting on the committee, seeing her understand the concept of tobacco harm reduction. And when you have somebody that's in Washington that tells you, obviously, we understand that electronic cigarettes deliver nicotine to the user in a less harmful way than traditional combustible tobacco was very, very refreshing to me. And, and it, gives me, it gives me a glimpse of hope that if we have some, some people that are in key positions in, in the Hill, we might have a chance. And she gave me a, a, you know, a lot of hope, I think. Oh, absolutely. Um, there was uh, one other meeting that we went to uh, that you actually broke off and went to another meeting. Right. And uh, we had a small group, about five of us, uh, go to meet this staffer. And um, we were really disappointed with that meeting because the staffer had done some research on her talking points. And that's all she wanted to talk about. And um, she didn't want to learn about anything in our industry. And that was really unfortunate. Now, you have to keep in mind that a lot of these staffers look to the American Lung Association, the American Cancer Association, yep. all these special interest groups that are always flirting over there in the heel. And, you know, they constantly have a presence and lobbying presence there. And they look to them for answers. She seemed to be, simply from the questions, she seemed to be guided to be against us. Like she oh, had to predetermined that. Yeah, absolutely was. Um, and it was... Uh, it's really unfortunate. We even had uh, a constituent in the room with uh, with her, and um, she was asking questions about, do you provide health insurance to your employees? Right. Changing the subject when we're right. trying to explain stuff to her. And that at that point, we had to read our audience, set back, and just... In the conversation, which is totally, which is totally out of line, anyway. It's none of her business. Oh, it absolutely, was <laughs> it's none of her business as a staffer to ask that kind of a question. But again, I think she's trying to pull away from the professional side of the industry, trying to paint a portrait that these are amateur business owners, and if they go out of business, it's not going to make a difference, and and their their politician is not going to lose any votes, which is not the case here in Tennessee. We're strong. We're organized. Um, we specifically said for this district, we, we're going to file a complaint uh, on, on the staffer for, for being so, you know, I don't know what's the word I'm looking for, 
um, you know, had a predetermined notion, I guess, on the industry. Yeah. And, and, and we're going to focus our time in, in, in different districts that we know that we have an issue. Um, and there's other areas that we don't have an issue, uh, as, as it was in the case when we met with Senator Al- uh, Lamar Alexander's, which I, I believe I've talked to uh, her staffer m- multiple times on the phone representing the company that I work for. But it was really refreshing sitting in the room with her and seeing how receptive and how much she understood and how much she, she had done background on the product, on the deeming. She knew about the deeming regulations. She knew what it would do to the industry. So let's talk about that meeting. I think that was a really, really nice meeting. We actually got to sit down for that as well, too. They had a big room because obviously he's Senator Alexander. So they had a big room that we could all fit in. Now, what really stood out to me in that meeting was her um, – not only willingness to learn, but actually interest in the subject. Yeah. Um, she really wanted to know more about what we do, and we had we uh, we just went around the room. Each shop owner or representative talked about their shop and what they do, and she actually showed a genuine interest in um, in all of our subjects. Uh, that from devi- even, now this one, even her having that interest still was thinking Sigalex. Right. And when we pulled out our mods and put them on the table, she was like, wow, what are those? Yeah. She took special interest in my top hat mod. I just want to put out. She really, she really ooed uh, after I put the top hat mod on the table, right? And it was really cool to put that up there and say, hey, one of our TSFA members right. made that. Actually makes it in Tennessee and produces these mods in Tennessee. It was extremely important for the economic impact. Everywhere we went, we gave out TSFA brochures that explain what an electronic cigarette is, what our mission is, what these stores are doing our affiliations, all the federal groups with CASA and American Science Council of Health, American Vaping Associations, FADA, uh, every connection that we have as TSFA, all the documents were given to every person that we met. And that is part of the education, which is extremely important when it comes to politicians. Once again, I have to reiterate this. I say it every week here on Smoke Free Radio. We're, we're, all we're saying is don't regulate us, don't tax us, don't do us anything. But we need to educate these people on what exactly is we do. They just don't know, Jonathan. No, they don't. So after all the meetings were done, we sat down, we talked about our experience there. I think everybody that, that came was very um, educated as well, too, as a business owner, uh, seeing how the process and how, how it is for the stakeholders of the industry to interact with the people that are making these decisions. And by the way, don't think by staffers that these, uh, these, these people don't have any influence. They have more influence than talking to the politician directly to them. If the staffer sees action in his district from a lot of people, it has an influence. Point proven with Chuck Fleischman here in our district. Chuck Fleischman is on the Appropriation Committee for H.R. 2058. When we were in Washington, we spoke to his staffer, and we all were pressuring him to let Chuck know that we want him to co-sponsor H.R. 2058. When the bill went to the Appropriations Committee, we put out a call to action here in Tennessee through our social media, reached out to our employees and all the shops that are part of the TSFA in his district. The phone calls were buzzing in D.C. in his office in Chattanooga. And guess what? Chuck Fleischman is co-sponsoring H.R. 2058. In fact, when I called them yesterday, they said, this is amazing. I mean, they were really shocked to see how many people have called on one particular subject. All those calls go to the staffers. You think that the staffer is not going to turn around and tell Chuck, hey, listen, there's a lot of movement going on here with this bill. We really need to get behind it. And that's how a staffer influences the politician. That's incredible. So uh, we had a lot of success, I think, overall. So g- give, me some, give, me, give me your takeaway from the entire, the entire trip, and, and where do we go from here? 
Well, first of all, to be able to be in that place and talk about e-cigarettes and advocate for our cause was an incredible experience for all of us. Um, but we really came away with it for, um, with a feeling of success because in every almost every meeting, all but that one, we really felt like the staffer at least listened to us and um, and had something to go back to the lawmaker. Several of those were more... Uh, positive and several of them were kind of neutral but uh, we really we were able to voice our opinion and bring actual tax paying shops to talk to the staffers and I really feel like that made a big difference uh, the, the lobbyist group also they really felt like it made a big difference as well I, th- I think it did too I think that they were impressed I think all of us did a great job everybody that spoke spoke cleanly professionally uh, we, we let them know how we feel. We had a, a goal, and that is to get HR twenty fifty eight co sponsored. And we also wanted to to let these these uh, legislators know that the deeming regulations, as they exist now, as the deeming rule was was written when it first dropped, would put all of us out of business. I mean, the pre market application uh, clause inside the deeming regulations is an end all for the industry. It's prohibition of the product. Period. Anybody out there that tells you that, oh, I'm ready for the FDA. Oh, I you know I got a clean lab. I, I spent two two hundred thousand Megan. I spent two hundred thousand dollars for for a, for a clean room, and I'm ready for the FDA. Anybody that tells you that bullshit is is living in a dream world. Yeah, it's the same thing over here with the TPD. We've got a couple big companies that are saying that they've got TPD compliant products on the market or ready to be on the market, and there's just no way possible. I will it's talk about the happen. TPD hopefully later on a little bit of time because I got some really good information in that too. Uh, as far as some of the testing that's going to be required for the products to be on the market. But letting these legislators know that, you know, this is where the the FDA takes what Congress gives them and they make a rule, right? That's what what their job is. They have made this determination to deem electronic cigarettes a tobacco product. That is set in stone right now. And unless the deeming regulations do come out, Congress really can't do anything. However, after the deeming rule comes out, Congress can do something, and that's when all of us, hopefully with more state associations being formed, we can put the pressure on the politicians on the heel to let them know, listen, the way that these deeming regulations are come, have come out, all of us in your district and in your state will be out of business. Thousands of jobs will be lost, and unless we're able to show that, you know, I can't go there and say, hey, guess what? We have 8,000 vape shops in the United States. That's not going to work. You have to represent it somehow. And yeah. that's what associations do with lobby presence, with figures, with numbers, with economic impact. We've got to be able to document it and present it to our legislators in order to stay in business. And I think that, Jonathan, from everything that we did, the fact that every time that you spoke and you said, I represent 312 employees in Tennessee, I, I saw the look on their face. They were like, Really? And this is only 30% of the shops. Wake up, Tennessee. Join the TSFA. This is only 30% of the shops in the state. Yeah, they were. They really had a reaction to that uh, when we told them that this is, look, this is 67 shops, but this is out of 300, and these 67 are taking over 100,000 square foot of retail space. Um, that really had a big impact. And we had one guy there that every uh, meeting, right, right out there in front of everybody, was telling what numbers his shop was doing. And they were actually fairly impressive numbers for how long he's been in business. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, the look on the staffer's faces when he 
gave those figures was pretty incredible. That that really made a difference. Absolutely. Economic impact makes an extreme, extreme difference, I think, in the heel. So <laughs> hopefully we will make uh, – we, we, we did something good. I think we did. I feel, I feel really good about well, it. I feel great about it. So if you're in a state and you have an association – Get together with Svada and arrange a fly-in. The the firm that represents Svada in the heel is fantastic. Uh, Ashley, well, Davis was her name. Yes, Ashley Davis. She's good looking too, Meg. She was hot. <laughs> um, she 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 was just one of these. You know, you could tell that she she knows her way around. She, the way that she spoke, the way that she delivered herself. Uh, I was really, really excited having her lead us around and take us around to these offices because I can tell she's been there. She's done that. She's told me some of the clients that she represents. Um, Eric Peterson pulled her kind of side. And, you know, a little bit concerned because we don't know these people, right? You know, who do you represent? Who do you know? And they told us some of the clients that they represent, and we were very, very impressed. So good job to Svada. Uh, I have, for, a, I have yeah, a question real quick. Um, looking back and, and thinking about it, do you think a lot of these politicians – are pretty much under the impression, I know from what I've seen on Twitter and Facebook and whatever, that um, these politicians are mostly under the impression that e-cigs are dominated by the tobacco industry. You've Correct. got, what, seven yes. seven tobacco-owned e-cig brands out there. So are they, are they coming into these meetings assuming that that's basically all there is on the market and they're and that's what's shocking them when they see these representations coming from all these businesses and saying these are all our employees and how much space we take? Um, do you think that that's why they're they're so surprised? Well, when we presented those figures, we were sure to inform them that these are, these are all small businesses. Uh, these right. are not big tobacco. These are not convenience stores. These are small business vape shops that help people on their vape journey. We had very specific keywords. One of the things that I kept using is that the big tobacco companies didn't enter the space till a couple of years ago. Uh, right. these, these businesses that we're representing here have been around since 2010, to, since 2011. Uh, so the big tobacco came in after uh, the electronic cigarettes became popular in the United States. So we try to always use these key phrases to let them know that, A, we're not big tobacco. But you don't want to say that you hate big tobacco either because that that, that's a very, very fine line to work because uh, to walk because a lot of these politicians get their money from big tobacco. Yeah. Does that make sense? So yeah. I know that sounds bad, but it's, again, you have to know your audience. If you have a, a congressman or a senator that's taking a big paycheck from Big Tobacco and you're telling him it's my goal to crush Big Tobacco, guess what? <laughs> you're fucked. <laughs> He's gonna say, well, hold on a second. I just got a quarter of a million dollars from, 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 from these big tobacco companies as well, too. So, you know, you have to walk a fine line with him and say, hey, listen, we want Big Tobacco to have e-cigs. Absolutely. Let them be in the sea stores. Let them be in the gas stations. It's a great way of people to introduce them to tobacco harm reduction. But we don't want them to be the only game in town. We don't want them to be a monopoly. That's right. And, and that's, right. the, that's a, a, a great way of handling it. We don't care what they do, but we want to be around and we want to be in business as well, too. And that gives them that, you know, that thought in their heads. OK, well, Big Tobacco won't be mad at me, you know, <laughs> because if, if Big Tobacco is mad at them, then guess what? We're going first. There's no doubt about it. We're just yeah. nowhere near those levels. Yep. Yes, you I have like to play the, the game on the hill. That's that's perfectly said, Darla. And and that's why I always suggest attaching yourself to a group like Svada. It's something that I don't have an experience with. Uh, and that's why you need a group like Svada and, and, and the firm that represents them uh, in, in the hill to guide you and let you know who your audience is. They know these people ahead of time. They've met with them with, for other subjects. So they'll tell you if somebody's friendly, not friendly, you know, how they're going to respond, who your audience is, and how you know deeply you want to take this in. When we met the... the the congressman that's a doctor 
you know, you could tell his staffer was really into the medical side of it and the tobacco harm reduction side of it. So that was an easier uh, route for us to take as far as, hey, listen, you know, we are ex-smokers. We all quit using this product. We had, you know, some personal stories in that particular meeting on how e-cigs affected our life. I smoked for X amount of years, nothing to help me quit until, you know, that's that's the kind of stuff that you have to balance and play the game on the hill, exactly as Darla said it. The really unfortunate thing about going up there is we all were anxious to tell our stories and to tell the stories of customers that came into some of these shops and had quit, but that's not the effective argument. Unfortunately, the more effective thing is talk about how good the business, how how the businesses are uh, impacting the communities, which is also a good thing. But it was really unfortunate that e-cigs save lives isn't a good argument. It's not. We had a we had we had a we had um, a shop there in Knoxville Vapor. Just great folks, great people, amazing, really really passionate about tobacco harm reduction. They uh, before they came to Washington, they just rolled over a twentieth thousandth customer through their database oh, in wow. all the years that they've been in business, right? And, and all their locations. So they've had twenty unique thousand customers through their stores over the po- past four years. I mean, to me, I, I, obviously not all twenty thousand quit smoking, right? But I'm just saying twenty five percent. Let's say twenty five percent of these people quit smoking. You've automatically tripled the available NRT methods that are, you know, <laughs> approved by the FDA on, on <laughs> cessation. That was, that's, to me, that is, I'm, sh- I'm shocked. I'm pleased. I think it's a great number. But guess what? Every time she mentioned it, uh, nobody really cared. <laughs> yeah. You know, as, as impressive as that sounds to us that we're passionate about helping people quit smoking, to them, it wasn't the... It, it wasn't a key point for them to jot down. And you could tell because some of them were taking notes and at what point they were taking notes. And usually what they were taking notes down is the financial and the voting impact. Right. And, and those, those are the two things that we try to hammer home. 20,000 is a good block of voters, though. It, it, it is. It is. But, again, it, it's not. It, it wasn't presented as a voting. It was presented as right. a customer coming right. through the store that wanted to experience, you know, vaping as an alternative to smoking. So I think that's, you know, again, the economic impact. Voting in their states and these business owners, how they can affect the vote, how they can swing a vote is extremely important. All right. Anything else that you want to add, Jonathan? I think that better covers it. Jonathan Beersley, TNSmokeFree.org is the website. I want to thank you for all the wonderful work that you've done. You and Paul are taking care of all the website and, uh, and your passion and your dedication is commendable. I admire it. And, uh, and I'm proud to have you on my team. Well, Paul does an awful lot behind the scenes, and he is very much appreciated. And I will give you a raise, so you're going to get 20% of zero on the next paycheck. (laughs) (laughs) He's so generous. Well, thanks a lot for having me on. Thanks, Jonathan. There he goes, everybody. Jonathan Brisley with the Smoke Free Tennessee Association. Great guy. Uh, and he's been a great uh, addition. Uh, he kind of came late after we started the Tennessee Smoke Free Association, but he's really, really passionate, and he's really helped me a lot, Megan. I'm telling you, these guys here in Tennessee, I have a great crew. Yeah, you do. You and, guys really do. And I see a lot of interest now. I think since we were so successful this year in Tennessee with the way that we handle our bills, 
that came through. We squashed pretty much everything that was detrimental to the industry. Uh, the way that we've you know uh, initiated research, the way we reach out to the stores, we get the consumers, the vapors involved. I've had at least four states contact me, and you know I'm trying, right? I'm volunteering my time. <laughs> I'm trying to get to everybody. I went to Virginia a couple of weeks ago. Guess what? I get a message today. We're ready to launch. That's fantastic. That's awesome. Get these guys. Just get them in a room. I'll come over there. I'll make a presentation. I'll show you what we've done in Tennessee, and I basically turn over the template to you. Here you go. It's really really easy to do. It just needs people like we have here. In Tennessee to volunteer their time and step up and do it. That's the only thing that's missing in this equation. Yeah. The rest, the, the groundwork has been done for you. So Virginia, uh, Massachusetts is, is the, the state that I'm going to Sunday. PA, Pennsylvania is getting ready to form their own Smoke Free Association as well too. We had a Skype conference right. with Eric the other day. Uh, we're working on Alabama. Hopefully, we can get the guys down there in Texas to get organized as well too. There's so much ego going down there in Texas, you know? What is it? Is it the <laughs> state? Is it the state, right? Everything in Texas is big. Really? Well, the Rigos. Oh, lordy. The Rigos is so huge down there. But it's like there's like four different associations down there. And like nobody knows what's going on. The bill that got passed now in Texas, you know, it could have been worse. I'm not saying it's the greatest thing. It's definitely not good. Uh, It could have been a lot, lot worse. So there's a lot of groundwork that was done by by a few people that were really passionate down there that put the time and the effort and the sweat and, and the blood and the money because it takes money to defeat bills to do it. But if they did it collectively, they would have been so much more efficient. They would have been so much more productive in in squashing this stuff. But guess what? My cloud is bigger than yours. My dick is bigger than yours. It's ridiculous. It's it's too... It's it's frustrating to me. Yeah, we had a lot of that over here um, early on. I want to say 2012, 2013. Um, but that that's kind of changed now. We've got um, the new Nicotine Alliance over here, which is working really closely yeah, with the UK yeah, government. Yeah, yeah. And so luckily we don't have that constant, all these different organizations trying to do different things and not getting anywhere. Yeah. Well, see, the problem with Tennessee is I love everybody that's involved down there. I love them. They're all great people. Individually, yeah. they're all my friends. And I have one group coming to me saying, oh, you know, what What do we do? And then I have another group saying, oh, how do we get these people over here? And, how, you know, I'm like, <laughs> I love you all, but, you know, I can't tell you which one is the best group. You guys have to figure out for yourselves what yeah. fits your business model and put your egos aside. Put everything aside and get together in a room and sit down and at least find the stuff that you can all agree on and work on that. Forget about the stuff that you don't agree with. Not everybody's going to agree all the time. It's impossible. I don't agree with, you know, your box dildos but you know i mean i still have you on the show that's what i'm see what i'm getting at it's 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 not a matter of what we can't agree on it's a matter of what we can agree on and i think we can find that most of the people have 75 percent common goal stay in business uh, offer e6 to people to quit smoking help you know public health Uh, if we can find at least a seven seventy five percent common ground let's work on that can we work on that I think so. All right. So three four seven three zero eight eight three two nine. Press one if you have any questions or comments for me and M tonight. I'm getting messages left and right. You can tweet me at vaping greek hashtag smoke free radio if you have any questions. All right. So what are we moving on to next? Diacetyl. Diacetyl and AP. Diacetyl. Diacetyl. Am I saying that right, or is it diacetyl? Diacetyl. Okay. Is it it's diacetyl? Yep, diacetyl. All right, so this is this is what bugs me about about this this subject. Uh, M, I've been talking about this shit for three years. 
Yep. For three years, you can go back and look at my vape team episodes from three years ago when we discussed this. Nobody gives a shit. All of a sudden, Russ calls out a couple of companies, and, and every- it's the end of the fucking world. <laughs> yeah. What the hell is going on? Listen, diacetyl and AP is a serious issue within the industry. We saw that from this study that Dr. F's did. And in fact, I was extremely shocked to see uh, when VaporShark put the results up there, how many e-liquids came back positive. And I'm not talking about positive with a small uh, amount of nanograms per, per, you know, we're talking about some, some extreme, extreme numbers. Yeah, some of them are ridiculous. So let me ask you, what do you think about VaporShark doing that, Meg? What is your opinion on, on, on a company doing that? These are liquids that they don't produce. They're liquids that they carry. Go ahead. The way that I look at it is if the manufacturers are testing them, great. Now, if you want to bring that product into your store, great. If you want to sell it as being less harmful than smoking, you need to make sure that your manufacturer is telling you the truth. Because as we have all learned, not everybody is as honest as we'd like them to be. Um like the thing with Flavor West, I mean, come on, that was just bullshit. Right, absolutely. And if Flavor West, this is a you know a flavoring manufacturer, is telling us, oh yeah, yeah, it's clean, it's clean, it's clean, and it's not, then who else is telling us that it's clean and it's not? Because we've we've had incidents of this happening before. Right. And I'm all for it. I think that what they've done is a great thing, and I honestly wish that more companies would do it. Because if you've got the evidence and you've got the testing to say, okay, these are the liquids that are, are, you know, are free and clear, but these are the liquids that have some questionable amounts on it. It right. gives the consumer the opportunity to choose if they want to take that risk. Right. We all did it when we were smoking. Did we give a shit how much diacetyl and ACE, you know, AP that we were smoking then? Absolutely No. Not. But now we do care because we understand the risk factor. I, and think- I, honest, I honestly think yeah. that it's, it's good. I think you can put you, – I think you can call a juice diacetyl and people wouldn't give a shit. I think they still vape it. I really do. Mm-hmm. I think that the problem is that we have companies out there that are trying to become scientists. Scientists. I have seen some pub, you know, PR releases from companies that are clearly misleading customers, and they're making scientific claims. They're yeah. making claims that our juice does not have diacetyl, but it has AP. But guess what? AP has not been proven to be harmful. What the fuck are you doing? Yeah. You know what kind of liability that puts you on? So, you know, I've, I've been trying to, you know, to, to raise awareness on a subject for three years. This is not some kind of an agenda. You can't create a whole conspiracy theory that Enthropy Labs is skewing results. You're talking about a company in the United States, a corporation is going to skew lab reports. What the hell are you talking about? What kind of malicious, evil bullshit this community is making up? Just yeah. to protect your brand and your fanboyism on the fucking juice? It's bullshit. Yeah. When there's so, especially when there's so many there's so many e-liquids on the market right now. If you've got one brand, you'll say you've got Fruit Loops on one company and then you've got Fruity Loops on the other. And one of them has diacetyl and AP in it. And they're saying, oh, but we didn't know. We said it was all clear. And the other company's obviously been tested. And they're free and clear. I mean, come on. It's just... I don't know. It, it goes, it goes, it goes through the assumption of the consumer that when they're buying a product, when the consumer is buying a product, that the product's been tested. Yeah. If, we put too much trust. Honestly, this is one of my biggest issues within the whole vaping community is that we put so much trust into these people and we have no evidence on 
to to back up that amount of trust that we give them. Well, I have evidence because everybody's talking about oh, Doctor F and Enthalpy Labs and Kurt Kistler and all these guys are in like how, people are saying that there's a conspiracy between these nationally recognized <laughs> ESIG researchers. And my microphone's clipping. I'm sorry. I'm cut out my game real quick. Okay. So that th- there's a national conspiracy among all these nationally recognized, you know, ESIG researchers to create a problem where there's not a problem with diacetyl and AP. It, it's, it, I can't even fathom how people would, would, are willing to even say something like that publicly. And it, forget vapors. You know how vapors are. There's a small group that likes to be loud. These are yeah. companies that are saying this. How do you put yourself in that liability? So I did some work, right? I did some work. I am going to play a couple of clips from people that you probably have not heard of, okay? Okay. Just to give you the effect of what diacetyl and AP is. The first clip I'm going to play is from Dr. Ann Hubbs. She's from the National Institute of Occupational Safety and Health, where she talks about diacetyl and AP. I'm not going to play the entire thing. In the first portion of this video, she explains how it was detected using the popcorn factory as an example, and then the coffee bean factory as a second example. Both of the cases of these people that were found to have uh, popcorn lung were cre- were flavorous were people that were involved in the flavor and the fa- flavor was you know misted in the air but i really want to talk about two things here number one that she strongly believes that there is a case between um diacetyl and ap it could potentially play a role in copd and and a lot of people say that oh diacetyl is in in, in smoking and, and we've never seen a smoker with popcorn lung. Guess what? Nobody does dip, deep tissue, uh, you know, biopsy on your lungs when you die from COPD. They just claim mm-hmm. you die from COPD and that's it. I guarantee you if uh, uh, more research was done in that, you'll see that there might be cases in smokers as well, too, that have this. But something else gets them first. They have a heart attack or they have COPD or they die from something else first. But I want you to listen very closely to what this woman says. She is a specialist. She's with NIOSH. And this is her specialty is cytotoxicity of flavorings. And she's talking about diacetyl. And she's also going to talk about AP because there are some companies out there that are claiming that we don't have any, any research in AP. And trust me, AP is exact, has exactly the same effect on lungs as diacetyl. Clinical findings consistent with a clinical diagnosis of something known as bronchiolitis obliterans. Findings in those nine workers, which were subsequently published, showed that the initial diagnosis by physicians had been pneumonia, asthma, emphysema, bronchitis, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, or hay fever, or sinusitis, but all diagnoses were actually wrong. So I'm going to pause it there real quickly because, again, this goes back to the smoking thing, right? You know, we, we can, we, you, know, we, you can diagnose somebody from dying from something. That doesn't mean... That there was nothing else there, okay? That's extremely important for people to understand. And stop comparing the diacetyl and e-liquid with combustible tobacco. Stop it. It's not the same thing, okay? By CT scans, there was marked bronchial wall thickening, so those airways were thickened. There was trapping of air and a variety of other morphologic findings. Skin was rarely affected, but it was in some individuals. It included a rash in two of the individuals. There was positive skin patch testing in one. But lung biopsy showed something very important. In two of the three that were biopsied, there was a pathologic diagnosis 
of constrictive bronchiolitis. That to the pathologist is synonymous with bronchiolitis obliterans or obliterative bronchiolitis. The correct diagnosis, now this is a clinical diagnosis and there's semantic issues here, but the correct diagnosis was bronchiolitis obliterans and more specifically, this can be considered to be flavorings-related obstructive bronchiolitis, and that summarizes the general disease, also known as flavorings-related lung disease, <clears throat> that that diagnosis may contain some other conditions. Sorry, here we go. So what is bronchiolitis obliterans? In bronchiolitis obliterans, if you look at this, this is the way an airway should be. It's a big, wide tube that lets air flow in and out of the lung. But in constricted bronchiolitis or bronchiolitis obliterans, all of a sudden, the air can't get in and out of the lung. And this causes the patients to be unable to catch their breath, to breathe. And this is actually what we see in affected workers. This is a biopsy from one of the original workers. And if you look at the airway space here, the lining of the airway is damaged. And between the airway and the outside of the wall is this big, thick stuff. That is fibrosis. It's scarring. It keeps air from getting in and out of the lung. So to us as pathologists, this is marked submucosal fibrosis narrowing the airway lumen. And you can think of this in a simpler form as a bottleneck. Air can't get in and out, the patient can't breathe. And I want you to think for a minute about what happens when you have a scar in an airway. And this is one of the old classic molds of lungs in rodents and in man. If you add an obstruction in an airway, nothing below it works. And it's also important that the biopsy may not catch it, so a negative biopsy doesn't mean it's not there. If you see the scar, nothing below that works. This disease no longer has been described in a single plant. In the subsequent more than a decade, we've found the disease in multiple plants. The affected worker populations include microwave popcorn workers, flavoring manufacturer workers, diacetyl production workers, and most recently, coffee processing and others inhaling flavoring components. And, of course, the question is, is that part of the lung disease we see in smokers? See, right there is exactly what I was trying to make the point, is that the disease that we find in smokers that is so misdiagnosed because the smoker mag yeah. has died from something else. You know, I mean, if, if you're going to die from COPD, nobody's going to do a deep lung biopsy tissue on it. I mean, nobody's going to do that. No. So it's extremely important, again, to be educated on the subject before you open up your mouth and take the responsibility, whether you're a vapor, whether you're a business owner, to take the responsibility and know that the product that you're putting out there potentially might kill somebody in 10 years. There's an ethical responsibility when it comes to the subject. Get the facts first. As a vapor, you're an adult. You can make the educated decision if you want to vape it. But by golly, as a company, you have to disclose it. Kudos to yep. Vapor Shark. Let me continue this. If we look at lung function testing in coffee processing workers, forced expiratory volume one, 
the volume expired in one second, this is the percent predicted in that red circle. It's 20% of predicted, 80% of the lung um, function is gone. And if you look at the ability to respond to bronchodilators, that can be variable in this particular patient. There was some degree of response. Um, but subsequently, um, there was a little bit more lung function, improved lung function, but there was the loss of the ability to have a bronchodilator response. And then with time, there was a little bit of a recovery of the bronchodilator response, but the majority of lung function is still gone in this patient. This is another coffee plant flavorings worker, and this patient did not have a response to bronchodilators. Again, the overwhelming majority of the ability to breathe had been lost. So lung biopsy, constricted bronchiolitis, bronchiolitis obliterans in both of these patients. A different workforce and a different, and the same disease. Same exposure. This is the chemical structure of diacetyl, and it's got adjacent dicarbonyl group, uh, uh, carbonyl carbons. What that does is it destabilizes electrons, and so they're available to attack tissues. And so with these reactive alpha dicarbonyl compounds, what we see is not just reactivity, but because of reactivity, protein crosslinks and inability to inactivate proteins. And when we look at the effects of these compounds in animals, we see that the normal, intact, protective airway epithelium has been destroyed. And this is a diacetyl-exposed airway. Importantly, we need to understand the pharmacokinetic models that may be relevant to e-cigarettes. In terms of what we know about workers, we know that rodents are going to have a lot more removed by their noses. So if we look at the air exiting the trachea, there is a lot more that's extracted by the rodent nose than by the uh, human nose, and with Mouth breathing, which is particularly relevant here, of course, there is no absorption by the nose, allowing more of these compounds to reach the delicate structures of the deep lung. More recently, it's been shown that there's a 40-fold greater dose to the bronchiolar epithelium of man than in rodents. This is an installation experiment with diacetyl. These are both examples of bronchiolitis obliterans-like syndromes in rodents. This is 2,3-pentanedione, a substitute with... Okay, here we go. Now, there's a company out there that claims that our juice does not have diacetyl in there, but it has AP. And a we don't have any studies on AP and how AP affects. That is total bullshit. We know that. People that have been in the, in the industry long enough know that. But here you can understand why it's bullshit because AP has exactly the same effect on cells as it does on lungs as the dicetyl uh, found in, in the studies that they've done with a popcorn lung. Listen to this. The same reactive alpha dicarbonyl group. And you can see that it does the same things in terms of protein reactivity. And when we directly compare them as part of a dose response curve, these are in black, uh, pentanedione, and white and uh, green, the diacetyl. They cause the same airway damage. 
So I would like to conclude that diacetyl and 2,3-pentane are reactive alpha-dicarbonyl compounds that are flavorings. Diacetyl and 2,3-pentane dione in mixtures of butter-flavoring vapors damage airway epithelium. By the way, 2,3-pentane, that's AP, okay? That's, that's just, just to, to, i got to clarify, man, because I don't want anybody to come out and say, okay, well, juice does not have diacetyl or AP, but it has 2,3-pentane, because you know that shit's <laughs> going to happen later, right? Somebody's this is exactly the same thing. And the statement here from NIOSH, the statement here is that both diacetyl and AP and mixtures of butter-flavoring vapors damage airway epithelium. This is the statement from NIOSH. So get your facts straight, people. Airway epithelial damage is believed to be the underlying lesion for bronchiolitis obliterans in humans, and pharmacokinetic models indicate that at a given concentration in air, more diacetyl reaches the deep lung of humans than reaches the deep lung of rats. And finally, safe enough to eat does not mean you can breathe it. Okay. So th- this is Ann Hubs, right? She's with NIOSH. This is the statement that she made. This is the, the, so the presentation that she made to the FDA. They've also submitted comments to the FDA on the importance of F- diacetyl and AP directly into a report that went right into the FDA. All right. So you don't believe Dr. F. You don't believe me. You don't believe Russ. You don't believe Dr. Kistler. You don't believe Enthalpy Labs. You don't believe anybody. Here's Ann Hubs telling you what this potentially could cause again i'm not telling you not to vape it what i'm telling you to do is stop listening to bullshit and make an educated decision here is dr polosa from italy from the university of catania in italy talking about diacetyl um, these two compounds are used for the battery taste in a variety of food preparation and they're safe and approved for food use by fema okay uh, so they use also for electronic liquid, uh, for many electronic liquid uh, brands. However, we know from occupational medicine that they can be helpful when inhaled because they cause a very specific disease which is called obliterative bronchitis. So because of this, it is important <coughs> to know whether electronic cigarette liquids contain these compounds. Okay, and I know it's, his accent is a little bit difficult to understand, but you caught what he said there, Megan. It's important to know, to be aware, to disclose if these compounds are in the presence of e-liquid. Yes. Simply because we know that it could possibly cause a condition. All right? It's, it's extremely important to listen to what these scientists are saying. I can't believe, I, I still can't believe that there's people out there. I guess vaping makes you a fucking scientist. <laughs> that or stupid. <laughs> uh, let me carry on with this. <laughs> Uh, Constantinus took the, the courage to take 159 different samples from 36 manufacturers and tested for the presence of uh, diacetyl, uh, diacetyl and uh, uh, for these compounds by HPLC. And 74 of them were containing diacetyl, despite clear labeling instructions that were saying no diacetyl. In, in the product. This is dishonest, but it's really risky. So fuck you. That is dishonest. That's exactly what everybody has been saying. Nobody's yep. telling you not to vape it, but as a company, if you make a claim that doesn't have any fucking diacetyl and AP, you are dishonest, you're unethical, and you should go out of business, period. This is yep. not an agenda. This is simply informing people that are putting this stuff in their lungs that you are making 
have the responsibility and, and, and the ethics to at least inform your consumers it's not going to affect your sales. Put a half-naked woman in a cartoon on it? Fuck it. Nobody cares it has that seat on there. But you need to stop frauding your customers. You need to disclose and do third-party lab testing on your e-liquid. If it contains it, they should be aware. Period. Yep. And if you can't test them, you shouldn't be manufacturing them. I think my blood pressure is up. I think it is, too. I'll show you that my opinion is not, and I hope Constantine is not talking so we are going to have another discussion. <laughs> um, so these are the, uh, the levels, uh, the average daily levels, average daily levels, so there's a problem, there may be a problem now, uh, of, of these, um, of diacetyl and acetyl propanide. And you see they are just above fairly above NIOSH limits, which means NIOSH limits are very strict criteria. But it means that uh, something can be done. But how much diacetyl is in the cigarette? There's quite a lot. Actually, more than 400 times in one single cigarette. So that tells me that it is unavoidable risk. There is 400 times more than a traditional cigarette. 400 times more. Obviously, the NIOSH is based on a work occupational hazard, and it's not based on e-liquids. And again, this study here that shows the levels is based on 3 mil intake a day, Megan. 3 mil. Mm. Now, you know darn And how many well. vapors are out there <laughs> doing 5 or 6, 10 mils five. a day? I know people that do 20 mils a day. Yeah. All right? So this is based on a 3 mil. And again, this is not something that develops overnight. This is something that takes time. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm really afraid of the future. This could potentially be a, a huge, huge problem. Let me finish up here with Dr. Pelosi and i get some final thoughts. Maybe it's not that much of a risk, but it's avoidable. <laughs> I will quickly... Uh, all right, I think he goes into heavy metals from there. But in any case, I think you guys get the point. When you see a company, when you see a company making scientific, an e-liquid company, an e-liquid company is making scientific claims, what the hell, Meg? I mean, I salute VaporShark. I don't think that what they did is a bad thing. No, they I have, don't think it is they're, they're a huge company, one of the biggest distributors in the United States. Obviously, they have a lot of liability. Obviously, they consulted their attorneys and, you know, the people in their company to, to, to make this move. And I personally know, I personally know as Dimitri that a lot of those companies out there that their results were posted, I asked them personally if they test and they told me, yeah, and their e-liquids don't, don't contain it. <laughs> I mean, How are, so where's their sheets then? Where's their data sheets? Well, have any of them produced them to counter what Vapor Shark has said? Because I haven't seen any. Well, everybody's claiming that, oh, we might have our own test results. Oh, we rebatched. If you caught Russ's show a couple of weeks ago, he literally called three manufacturing companies. One of the guys said, oh, what they tested was from three months ago and we reformulate. Just all kinds of BS. Nobody can back it up. <sighs> nobody nobody would can back up what they're saying. Personally, I'm telling you that a lot of those companies that are on the list, I have talked to them over the past couple of years. I've talked to them about the subject, and they have told me personally that they test and it does not contain. And guess what? You got busted. Yeah. You got busted. But it's yep. not the end of the world. That doesn't mean that you can't change, right? Now, if you don't want to invest time, money, and a little bit of you know talent, because let me tell you something. If I get vanilla bean that's loaded with diacetyl from, from Capella or a custard version one and put some VGPG and nicotine, I can make a fucking good juice. It's not that hard to do. 
No, it's not. You know where the talent is? Can you reformulate that juice without disealing it, pee and then put it in the market and let people vape it? That, to me, is talent. Yep. Can you invest some money into the manufacturing of your product and your testing? That, to me, is talent. That is professionalism. But don't lie to people. That is no. fraud. I mean, it's clear fraud. It is. It is. And I think a lot of these companies, too, they think if they slap some you know, liability insurance on their company that they can get away with this. What are they going to do when they get a class action lawsuit against them and they're going to have to fork out millions and millions of dollars for damages? Well, maybe, you know, maybe they assume they're not going to be in business in a couple of years. You know, maybe that's the case. No At matter, this rate, they won't be. Yeah, no, matter, no matter what the case is. No matter what the case is, this is the issue that we're facing. And what Russ has done by bringing this attention, he did it by calling out companies. And that's not my style. I don't want to do that. And I guess that's why I haven't been effective for the last three years trying to educate it. If anything, as an industry, I believe we have failed to inform the consumer of what Dicele and AP is. Nobody wants to talk about the big elephant in the room. Nope. And as a vape shop, I can understand how difficult it will be. You walk into a vape shop and what the, the owner is going to say, okay, this side of the wall is Dicele and AP free juice. And this side of the wall, it's... It's loaded. You, you can't do that. I get it. I understand it. If we had done a better job to educate the consumer and, and, the, and the vape shop owners that are popping up about what the issues here are so they can make a determination, again, I don't have a problem with them selling it in the, in the store as long as the consumer ultimately is educated, excuse me, is educated and knows the risk that they're taking. Have you looked on a pack of cigarettes? What does it say? Over here, there's just big images of, like, diseased lungs and... But it says smoking can kill. Have you seen the warnings where they say smoking can kill? Yep. Oh, they're plastered on like half the boxes here. Absolutely. Does that deter people from quitting smoking? <laughs> no, you know, I actually have a really funny story about that. I was in Tesco, which is kind of like Walmart here. Yeah. And there was this guy and he was buying cigarettes. And obviously all the cigarette packs in, in the UK are hidden behind like these shutters. And he was offended by the images that were on the boxes. So he was going through each one trying to find, like, the least offensive image. Yeah. And he probably went through about 50 or 60 different boxes before he finally settled on one that, that wasn't too horrible. I think, it was, I think it was actually the diseased lung one. But the images over here, like, have, you know, people's throats wide open and half their mouths missing from cancer. Right. And it doesn't, it, it doesn't stop people. Right. It does not. But here, no. the, the key here... Once again, is to educate. It's it's to educate. Yeah. If you know if you know the risks, absolutely, then- you have to educate and know what the risks are. This is a serious risk. I've known this since I started vaping. Well, I'm yeah. a, I'm a nerd. I'm a gadget. I went into ECF. I learned about it. Okay, not everybody does that. I get it. But as vape shop owners, you have to have the responsibility. As manufacturers, I see a comment in the in, in the chat from Uncle Dagger. These juice companies don't give a shit. Absolutely, they don't. But it's our responsibility to call them out. We need to hold them accountable. We need to hold them responsible. I know they're in it for the quick, ca- quick, the quick cash grab. I get it. I get it. But us as an industry, we need to take a stance on this issue. I got a call on the 201 area. You're on the air with Smoke Free Radio. Hey, Dimitri. It's Russ. Hey, Russ. What's up, buddy? So, listen, so I understand it's not your style to call out the companies, although, you know, <laughs> hey, everyone's got their own style. That's right. You were talking about a company before who issued this whole press release that said, you know, we saw the vapor shark tests and we're on right. it and we got some flavors that are high in AP, but, you know, nobody knows really what AP does. So, you know, I understand you don't want to call out the companies, but just in case anybody missed that, it's Cyclops Vapor. 
and they're fucking assholes because they're either one of two things. They're either ignorant of the actual science, in which case they should keep their mouth shut, or they know and they're covering their ass. Either you, either they're stupid or they're assholes. Yeah. I know that's either way they're style, still lying, but it's mine. And I was just I just just for the benefit of the audience, I wanted to let everyone know who you were probably referring to. Well, thanks thanks for Russell, and that's why I wanted to play that clip from Dr. Hubs because she I mean I think she made it clear in, in, in what she was talking about that diacetyl and AP have exactly the same effect on and the testing that they've done and, and the, the topography that they look at the, at the X-ray of the it's exactly the same effect. So, so I hope that I, th- I, I, I hope, to say, man, you're doing yeah. a, you're doing a good show. I'll, I'll let you get back to it. Thanks, Russ. I appreciate it. Later. Let me get. Uh, yeah. I had to throw that. <laughs> I had to throw that in there as well too. <laughs> but it, but it, 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 I mean, Russ, that's his style. That's fine. For me, I mean, I, I don't. I want to bring awareness that this issue exists. And the companies that are digging a hole in the sand and they're putting their head in there, and this is going to go away. No. I'm bringing it full force. I'm not stopping. And I, I think that the people that care about people like Russ, he's not stopping. He's going to go after him because that's what we have to do to get these people to stop lying on a product that we put in a device, heat it to 400 degrees, and inhale it in our lungs for crying out loud. Wake the fuck up, people. Yep. If you are concerned about your e-liquid, if you are, ask your companies for test results. Ask them if they do any testing. Don't take. If I told you, Megan, to go jump off the London Bridge, would you do it? I mean, Not unless prob- I had a parachute. You'd, pro- you'd probably do it for me. <laughs> but what I'm trying to say is that you can't take people's word when it comes to scientific claims. Nope. So, I mean, at the end of the day, get yourself educated. Share this replay with other people that might have concerns. We have the evidence. We have the data. Not from one, two, three, but multiple scientists now. Talk to any pulmonologist. And I'm going to tell you what, it's hard to get a pulmonologist to touch this. This is how bad it is. It's difficult to even go to a pulmonologist and tell him, can you help me with diacetyl and AP and e-liquids? You know why? Because it's a dangerous proposition. But go to any doctor and ask him about diacetyl and AP. If you don't believe anybody that you've heard in the last two years of doing these shows and everything that we have presented to you and all the facts that we have presented to you, not to mention the fact that all these companies lie and we've busted them multiple times of lying, Go ask your own doctor. Find somebody out there that that knows about this and ask them and see what they say. And I guarantee you it is not going to be pretty. No. That's what I have for diacetyl and AP. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of the bullshit. And and you know the best, like you said, the best way to just get it over and done with is for these companies to test. I really wish that that we would see more testing over here in the U.K., um, I know that there's a couple companies that have been tested through ACETA, which is our trade association here. But for the most part, most of these manufacturers don't have any testing whatsoever other than what they get from their manufacturers or their flavors and their nicotine base. But they don't actually you know, make their e-liquid and then send it off for a test and say, oh, yeah, look, maybe I should change this. I haven't seen any of it over here. No. And I, I think that this is a problem because we have a lot of new people that come into the industry Right. They don't know about it. They take the word of the flavoring companies and hey, we can mix liquid. Anybody can make a lead liquid. Don't don't be fooled. I I, I praise the DIY guys, but anybody can make good e-liquid. If you have a sweet, buttery note, that doesn't mean that the e-liquid does not contain diacetyl and AP simply because the flavoring company, which, by the way, has legal teams in place to to tell you that, hey, listen, 
we don't sell to the electronic cigarette industry. We're a flavoring company made for ingestion. Yeah. Because when it goes to court, that's exactly what you're going to get when you look to them for guidance. Yep. It's a hundred bucks a test, Meg. If that. And then I'm sure if you do them in bulk, you could probably strike a deal with the company. It's a hundred bucks a test. If you can't afford a hundred dollars to test your stuff, somebody that Russ called on his show a couple weeks ago said, we didn't have money to test. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? How can, you can't afford what you borrowed all the money from your mom to open up an e-liquid company. You don't have a hundred dollars to test your e-liquid. I got into an argument with a guy the other day who who works in a vape shop here in the UK. Well, this wasn't the other day; it was a couple of weeks ago. Anyways, um, he was asking for advice about how to start, you know, DIYing so that he could make his own brand. And one of the things that I said to him, I said, one of the most important things you have to do is get your e-liquid tested to make sure that it's quality and that it doesn't have all this crap in it. And he got really offended that I wanted him to test it. And I said, well, if you don't test it, I won't ever buy it. Right. Well, that's what more vapors need to do. That's yeah. what more vapors need to do. They need to hold the people responsible. Uh, the last thing, I love this, this, this comment inside here that Dura just put. The lamest excuse ever. It's still better than smoking. Yeah, it's still better than smoking. But if your hand is burning, will you pull it out of the fire halfway? That's a JT quote, by the way. I want to credit JT <laughs> for it. You're going to pull it out. You, we're trying to make this less harmful, number one. And number two, we don't know what issues we're going to face on a regulatory scheme. Now, I can tell you this. All right, let me pull it up here and let me find it. Uh, let me pull this up. There is negotiations going now in the TBD, which I want to touch on briefly before we get into shout outs. There is negotiations going on right now with the TBD and the European Union on yeah. what you're going to have to submit to get application on your e-liquids when you submit it to the EU to be approved. The process there will be a little bit quicker than it is here in the United States. However, amongst other things, they're going to ask for analysis of DA and AP, not only in the e-liquid, but also in the vapor. Metals, nitrosamines, nicotine titration, Number of microorganisms, I think it's called, this. it's a medical term that I'm not sure with, formaldehyde uh, and acrolein. All these are stuff that are included in the EU TBD. Now, we, ha- we don't see it now in the TBD as we see it has been released to the public. But the actual process is going through scientific review with the people that are going to be responsible to take the application for the yeah. e-liquids that can be allowed in the market. So if the EU is asking for this, I guarantee you, I cut my left arm off that the FDA is going to require it as well too. Why not take the steps now to get your company ready for what is coming from the FDA? And why make it difficult for everybody else? Can you imagine? Can you imagine? If we see a study out there so flawed with a fucking 510 inhaler atomizer that's going to be blasted (laughs) all over the internet, can you imagine if the FDA part of the pathway study is to test diacetyl and AP and e-liquids? Because yeah. if Dr. F tested 160 because that's all the money that he had, they have plethora of money. Can you imagine if they pull 1,000 e-liquids from the market and determine that 75% of these e-liquids, 750 brands, contain diacetyl and AP, and if, we'll let's say, 40% of them are at high alarming levels, that's 400 brands on the market, that is an automatic ban. Yep. It'll be gone. It's better than smoking. It really is. But we need to make it the safest available that we can. It is an avoidable risk at the end of the day. You can create e-liquid. And don't give me that bullshit that if you don't have that sweet caramel tone, you're going to go back to smoking because that is absolute bullshit. So let's talk a little bit about the TBD briefly. Oh, God. I hate the TBD. Yeah, I hate (laughs) it too. Um, 
some of the member states um, are starting to draft their own implementations of the TPD. Um, member states are allowed to change things, but they still have to um, implement the minimum standards of what the TPD or you know want each member state to have. It's it's things like. What's it, one second, make, make one second, because yeah. I saw a comment in, in the chat that's pissed me off. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Go for and, it. And this comment says that people will dive into Walmart flavors and get even more. I don't give a shit what you do personally. You know why it's called DIY? Because you're doing it for your fucking self. As a company, if your juice has it in there and you claim it does not, that is fraud. That is bullshit. And if I see advocates saying that, to me, it means you have absolutely no clue what the hell you're talking about. If I want to go into Walmart and get cyanide and put it inside my atomizer, I have every right to do it. I'm doing it for myself. I'm not selling the product for crying out loud. A company that says that they test and it's not in there, shut the hell up. That's fraud for crying out loud. What the hell? What are these people thinking? It makes no sense at all, man. I mean, am I the only one that's, not, that's seeing this? When you ask a company to flat out lie to you and to tell you that I test and my juice is clean and then you send it off and it comes back with... You have 400, 600, you have 1,000 uh, nanograms per... I mean, it's just fucking nuts. I think the highest one I saw was uh, 1,876. That's ridiculous. That's stupid. All right. Anyway, go ahead. Go back to the TBD now because I got, I got to calm down a little bit. <laughs> I don't know if talking about the TBD right? is going to calm you down anymore. <laughs> um, oh, I was going... I was talking about they have to notify their member states about what products they're going to be putting onto the market mm -hmm. and they have to do it six months before the actual placement you know as well as i know how fast technology changes yes. and how much stuff is on the market yes. can you imagine how backed up the notification process is going to be for the tpd we're going to yes. be waiting for new products for like 10 years yes yes i, I you know I, I hope again there that the totally wicked you know they have a they have a petition out can you talk yep. a little bit about this petition? Because I got contacted by somebody today on my email. Uh, you know, what can I do to help? And, you know, I try. I mean, I don't have that much reach. You know, I don't know what I can do to help in the EU. When I go to Greece or when I go to London, uh, you know, I, when I was in London last time, I think I talked more about the TBD than the Europeans did. <laughs> Probably. Right? Uh, most, most people over here don't have a single clue as to what the TPD is or what it's going to do to vaping in, in the EU. Um, totally Wicked is actually taking this to court and they're trying to pretty much get the entire Article 20, everything that includes electronic cigarettes, pulled out and hopefully looked at and an actual specific regulatory framework to develop just for electronic cigarettes. Um, I, as far as I'm aware, some of the basis is that, you know, the people behind writing up the tobacco products directive didn't use proper European protocols right. or whatever it is. Um as far as the petition, basically, it's it's not really a petition. It's so much more as um, you go read their the Totally Wicked website. If you yeah. agree with the, what they're trying to do and how they're trying to protect vaping, you can add your support by adding your name to it. I right. don't see on the website right now exactly how many names that they have already. Um, I know that it's, I think about it's like... 30, about 32,000 now with a goal of 100,000. Okay, yeah, the last time I knew it was like 28. So if it doesn't matter where you are in the world, and Costello just put a link in the chat too, um, sign and support the Totally Wicked Challenge and sign and support for the new Nicotine Alliance because that's another thing I want to talk about too. The new Nicotine Alliance has done so much work 
in the United Kingdom to get public health officials to actually listen and change their mind. Um, about two weeks ago, Wales announced their intention to ban vaping in public. Yes. And most people don't understand or don't realize that the United Kingdom is made up of you know four countries. So Wales is allowed to go ahead and do a public ban. Um, the public health department here in England has says they don't they don't have any intention whatsoever to publicly ban vaping, which is a huge sure. huge plus for us. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't believe that there's enough evidence to move forward with a ban, and I, they're slowly turning to recognizing that vaping can be a tobacco harm reduction product that's viable and works. So um, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna be the first one to tell you that I'm not a fan of totally wicked. No, who I, is? I'll, 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 be a, I'll be the first one to tell you. But guess what? They're the only ones that are fucking doing something about it. I haven't yeah. seen anybody else do anything about this. No, Asita says they have a backup plan. I I haven't seen shit from them. Yeah, yeah. Everybody has a backup plan after it gets banned. But yeah. Yeah, I, I met the Totally Wicked guys when I was in London. I was not impressed. They presented me with a closed vapor product as well, too. That was their backup as well, too, right? So, yeah. you know, if this goes away, we'll have this product. So, I, I, But I don't really care. I'm still going to support somebody that's trying to do something, right? I, right. I can agree with them 75%. My 75% rule is in, is in effect stronger than ever, especially with all the bullshit that I'm seeing with some of the advocates out there lately. So if you can support 75% of what they're trying to do, get out there and sign this damn thing. And at least they're doing. they're trying to do something. You know, yeah. I mean, you, 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 all right. it is is just adding your name to a list to say, right. I support this. And so when they can hand over 100,000 signatures to, you know, whoever the commission, yeah. when they go to take it to court and they can say, look, we have at least 100,000 people that believe in this product. And right now we actually have 2.6 million vapors in the UK, and that's up half a million in six months. That's amazing. But that's that a lot more. Amazing. There's a lot more shops opening up in, in in the UK as well too, which is helping people quit smoking. And yep. the only bad thing there is, I, I hope it doesn't happen. What happens here? Because we saw an influx of shops here, and a lot of people quit smoking. And then if, instead of continuing to reach out for smokers, the shops shifted their focus to compete for the existing vapor. Right. So I don't want to see that in the UK. I want the shops to continue. And I did notice, because we did go to two or three shops with Phil, we did notice that there's one shop that's clearly geared towards new vapors, trying to get smokers off. And then the other shop was the complete opposite. You know, yeah. with rebuildables and nothing over six milligram. And how are you going to get somebody to quit smoking with six milligram? Nicotine is beyond me. But, but I hope the same thing doesn't happen, because here we have a huge issue of the shop's not all of them. Again, I posted on Facebook the other day. You know, people obviously like to self-promote on my wall their shops. I know there's shops out there that are doing it right. I'm not saying everybody. Yeah. Talking the majority, how are we going to continue to get people to increase our numbers, our database of full-time users, if we don't attract smokers into our shops, if we don't have the right products, the right education, the right guidance, the right support to help them quit smoking? Yeah. And with as many smokers there as there are in the States and in the United Kingdom, there is literally such a demand to get those smokers to switch to vaping you don't once you have somebody that's vaping like me like you we've been doing it for years i have no intentions of stopping to vape i want i want to keep doing it for as long as i possibly can i might go down to zero nicotine but i like walking into shops like there's one here in birmingham that i want to i actually want to take you and phil to um it's more of a higher end shop but they have they have starter kits there you know like I, you know, the I taste stuff. They still cater to the new to the new vapor while still 
providing products to people like me that have been sure, vaping sure. for three and a half years. And we definitely do need to see that, especially with the TPD, because that's supposed to come into effect, uh, was it May 20th, 2016? Mm-hmm. And May 20th, 2017, everything that has that was currently on the market when the TPD comes into effect is going to be completely banned. I, I, did see, I did see something about the, the, the leak proof. Uh, we, I think me and you talked about that a while back. And I think that's something that's, that, that you can fight in court. I think that you can win that argument in court. You have liquid and you have air. It's impossible yeah. to have a leak proof atomizer. This, and how this, are they going to tell you that you can only have a two mil tank, <laughs> and, but you can, you can buy a 10 mil bottle. But in order to get the liquid from the 10 mil bottle into the two mil tank, it has to have a leak proof mechanism. Yeah, right, right. It, it, it doesn't make any sense. I think those are arguments that can be won in court, honestly. And, and I'm sure there's going to be ways around it just buy your equipment separately or whatever. You know, I, I think there's ways around that. I'm not really concerned about that stuff. As I am more concerned about the way that this is going about and the lack, the lack of support from the vapors in the industry in, in the EU, is, it's disturbing. Um, people are doing exactly what we did here, the same mistakes. The industry boomed here, and instead of us working with the regulators, instead of working with our politicians to, to educate them on the product, all we worried about is growing the businesses and reaching people out there and selling our products. And that's where we went wrong here in the United States. If we had laid the groundwork back then, it would have been much easier now. Uh, you know, the stuff that we're facing this year and, and the upcoming year, 2016, with the legislative session here, it's, it's really bad because that's all, all our fault. It's the industry's fault that didn't lay down the groundwork. And that has to happen now in other countries where we see e-cigs becoming popular. Part of your budget and part of your marketing strategy should be to reach out to the people that might affect you in a couple of years. Yeah. And nobody's doing it except totally wicked, no. which I don't like. But i got to support them. You know, somebody's got to do it. Just because I don't like them doesn't yeah. mean I don't support what they're doing. No, we're still we're still in the process of trying to get a small business trade association started because CETA, I think they charge like twelve hundred pound a month now, yeah. which is something like sixteen hundred bucks a month. A lot of small companies can't, can't afford them. that. That's a lot of money. And so we're still trying to get all the smaller companies to to get organized and to get together. But you know they run into well, I don't want to pay a hundred pound a month. It's a hundred pound a yeah. fucking month. You can afford it. Yeah. That, that's almost 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 aims at money. <laughs> yeah. I'm just kidding. That was a joke. That was a joke before anybody gets offended. But, but I think with yeah. here in the UK though, everything is so laid back and so so lax yeah. that they're not they're not looking at the end game. May twentieth, two thousand and sixteen. That's the end of vaping as we know it for at least a, a year when it's completely banned altogether. Yeah. And the only thing you're going to be able to get is sigalikes. Obviously, that's what fits. That's what fits the uh, the the model of these companies that are pushing for all this stuff, and that's why we're seeing it. Uh, yeah. I hope that uh, Lee Baltson that sent me the email on the uh, TPD Article Twenty. Uh, I hope I did what you asked me to, because he asked me to put this out there. He asked me to get to people. He's not affiliated with Totally Wicked at all. He's just a concerned vapor in the UK. And kudos to you, Lee, for reaching out to me. But this is all I can do. And when I come to Birmingham, uh, when we get on the stage with Phil, I'm definitely going to talk about it, try to bring awareness to the people there as well, maybe from a perspective of an American vapor, Greek-American vapor, <laughs> call that. Uh, <laughs> it, it might have a little bit more impact than the people that are there telling him. But don't make the same mistakes that we made here in the United States. It's going to be critical. All right. Yeah. Enough about that. Let's have some fun. I do have a bump for this. Let's do some shout-outs.
All right, I'm gonna let you go first, Em. This is your first ever participation in shoutouts, so go for it. <laughs> uh, the first one I want to do is for the new Nicotine Alliance, especially Sarah Jakes and Lorian Jolly for all of their hard work behind the scenes, educating public he- health officials on the benefits of vaping. Definitely kudos for them. Who's next? Um, Let's see. Who do I have next? The Department of Public Health in England for announcing that they will not be planning a public ban on vaping. Yeah, that's good. I need to clap for that, too. Making that (laughs) announcement was huge, by the way. I saw it. it I was like, yes. All right. What else? And I've got one more. And this is to my good friend, Fergus Mason, who is... Scottish and lives in Germany. Mm-hmm. He recently wrote a blog about the British Medical Association and what happens when doctors lie to the public. And this is goes into a BBC radio interview with a mm-hmm. guy named Dr. Ray who lied about e-cig. So um, I wanted to give that out to him because it's a really good article. Let it go. I saw that article as well, too. It was really, really good. It's caught a lot of uh, social media attention as well, too. It's being shared a lot. Which is extremely important. So, yeah, good job on your first shout outs. Those, so those are my three for tonight. Yeah, I need to give a shout out to you. We'll go ahead and give a shout out to you. I also want to give a shout out. I just gotta, I've got a couple of shout outs, and then I'm going to take back a shout out, too, because I gave a shout out a couple of weeks ago, and now I have to take it back. It's unfortunate. It happens. I'm sorry. We can get refunds on some shout outs, too. So, uh, first of all, I want to give a shout out to JT, Jonathan Thomas from Vape Stars. This kid. Uh, in the last year, has done a complete turnaround. His passion for advocacy uh, is, to me, just really refreshing to see a guy that's so involved in the community take it so passionately, trying to reach more of the hobbyists and the enthusiast crowds. To me, JT definitely deserves a shout-out. Also, he's done a couple of raffles the last couple uh, of weeks. He auctioned off one of his... Um, Top Hat Mods. He's auctioning another uh, mod off. All the money goes to advocacy. He donated to the Tennessee Smoke Free Association. Now he's donating to the American Vaping Association. Folks, this is just a vapor. JT, you get a shout out. Also, I want to give a shout out to the Tennessee Smoke Free Association volunteers. We have 12 folks here in the state that work really hard. A lot of hours volunteering their time with zero financial gain to put Tennessee on the map, leading the front, hashtag lead by example. These guys have done a tremendous job. I wouldn't be able to be in the position that I am to be proud to be spearheading this group of volunteers. So TSFA volunteers, vendors, and consumer support, I applaud you and you get a shout out. I have to take back a shout-out, which I gave a couple weeks ago to Sherwin Vega from North Carolina. I commended him on being stepping up and doing the right thing in the state and forming a SFADA chapter, creating an association, bringing the vendors in. But when you represent an association like SFADA, when you go out there and publicly and criticize a movement like Vape Free Youth, a movement that has now reached 300 vendors that have signed and committed to abide by principles to keep these products off youth, Sir, I have to take back your shout-out. Sir, your shout-out has been revoked until further notice. Finally, my last shout-out goes out there to the companies, since we're talking about diacetyl and AP, that are doing it right. 
because all of our focus has always been on the negative and all these companies that are frauding and putting out false information to their customers. That's where we focus. How about we focus on the right companies, the companies that have done it for a very long time, the companies that test, that have the balls to put the results up there on the website, that they are passionate about this, that go to bed every, every night and they sleep knowing that they can put out the best and the cleanest possible product. Huge shout out to those companies because there's a lot of them and they don't get enough recognition. So that's my shout outs for this week, Meg. That's all I got. I wish that's I had good. more. I wish I had more, but um, that's that's pretty much all I got. <laughs> you gotta get. You have to get a boo one for when you take back a shout out. I wasn't planning on taking back the shout out. This just kind of happened last minute uh, today. Uh, so uh, I, yeah, I'll have to find a. Hold on, I got one. Hold on, let me see. See if I can find it. I think I got it right here. <laughs> uh, okay, smoke free radio. Here oh, Jake wants a shout out. Jake, we love you <laughs> and your hearing aids. Uh, <laughs> what are you giving? What are you giving? To, to, uh, oh, shit. we forgot to do Gareth Whitty. He's a reviewer here in the oh, UK. Oh, that's right. He he wanted, yes, 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 yes. Uh, Gareth Whitty. He said he wanted to hear it from my. It's Gareth Whitty. Is that correct? Yes, that's right. Gareth Whitty. Huge Say it one more time. Gareth Whitty. You say it too. Gareth Whitty. Let's say it together. One, two, three. Gareth, Gareth Whitty. <laughs> Shout out to him. He's a great guy. He always follows and comments on my posts. I certainly appreciate you, Gareth Whitty. Let me give him a shout out. <laughs> and I just found my revoke shout out audio clip. Oh, shit. Didn't work. Uh-uh. Let me try it, it again. Didn't work. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. I'm gonna shit on your fucking feet. There we go. That's my yes. that's, that's, that's my reverse. That is my reverse. Shout out pullback. Anyway, Meg, I, I I missed you. I enjoyed you being on. Thank you so much for participating here on Smoke Free Radio. You're yes, always a pleasure. And I can't wait I, to to see you in a couple of weeks. We're gonna hang I out know. properly this time. Yes, we are gonna chill. Okay. We are gonna chill. I'm only like 30 minutes away from the venue, so you've got me for a whole weekend. Oh, nice. Absolutely. Yeah, Jake will be so jealous. Good. We'll have to take lots of pictures. Yeah, he, he, he can't do anything anyway. No, <laughs> no fear of Jake. All right, Meg. Have a wonderful morning there, and I will catch you next week right here on Smoke right. Radio. See you next week. Have Bye, guys. Evening. There she goes, everybody. The wonderful M. Follow her on Twitter, Vape Me Stupid, and her blog, VapeMeStupid.co.uk. My final thoughts. I've been ranting the whole show. I only had one rant planned. <laughs> Unfortunately, it never works out that way. But my last rant goes again on a Facebook post. Yesterday, I took a, a nap for a couple of hours, and then I woke up, and I made a lot of posts on Facebook, kind of how I feel. You know, I'm just uh, I'm just putting it out there, thought-provoking, whatever you want to call it. I don't care. I like to see interaction. I want to see how the people react. One of my questions from one of my subscribers was, they're asking me about a box mod. It's a Gelly 150 watt, and how it's off, you know, anywhere between 5 and 15 watts. And this has been confirmed. There's a lot of these chips out of China that the wattage is off. Uh, in fact, we confirmed it with Phil on the new uh, Snow Wolf mod, which is a, advertises a 200-watt mod. It does not put out 200 watts. Um, so this discussion started on Facebook, and somebody chimed in and said, uh, well, you know, it doesn't do 200 watts, but you know, at 185 watts at a 0.1 ohm coal, it's still a great vape. And I'm wondering to myself, what the hell happened to us? 
uh, why are we willing to accept a 15 watt offset on a device that's advertised as 200 watts because it was 100 bucks from China? Is this really the way that vapors feel? We're willing to accept that this device, yeah, even though it doesn't do what it advertises, it still vapes just because we paid 100 bucks for it. So are you willing to sacrifice? I mean, if you went into a car dealership and you said that the car is 245 horsepower, but the car is not, it's 220 horsepower, would you accept that? Would you accept to go buy you know, a one liter Coke that is actually 0.75 uh, milliliters and it's not really one uh, liter? When do, when do we change? When do we start accepting that? We need to stop that. Because if we don't, China's going to continue to put out these shitty products. China's going to continue to put out these bad products simply because why? Because vapors have become complacent. They feel they spend 100 bucks, the thing vapes, so they're willing to take a 15-watt cut on the device that's advertised as a 200-watt device. Stop it. Stop it, please. If you don't change, nobody will change. This community... These vapors are what drives this industry, whether it comes to e-liquid manufacturing, whether it comes to Chinese manufacturing, whether it comes to American manufacturing. You need to guide the industry. Stop accepting shitty products and think that it's okay simply because it vapes. As always, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Smoke Free Radio. I will be back next Wednesday night, 9 p.m. Eastern. Catch all the shows here on the VP Live Network, full content, five nights a week. Sunday with Kevin on VP Live Radio. Monday, Anti-Nanny with Raven Grimm, 6 p.m. Eastern. Tuesday, the one and only, the Howard Stern of vaping, Russ with ClickBang Radio at 9 p.m. Eastern. Wednesday night, I'll be back with Smoke Free Radio. And Thursday, 9 p.m., the lovely, the talented, the beautiful Jeannie K. Keep on vaping, folks. Have a wonderful evening. I will see you again next week.